Yes. Well, it's been an, uh, it's an honor to be with y'all again today. My name is, is Derek Harden, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here, one of the teaching pastors. I go back and forth between Spring Branch and, um, and Cyprus, and so it's really an honor to be with you today. We're going to continue in the James series. Uh, let me just encourage you, if you missed last week for any reason whatsoever, there's no shame or judgment in that, but I would encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast. Uh, um, Curtis brought an amazing word on anger. And I know for many of us, uh, anger is a really a stronghold in our life. And so he brought some great um, truth and grace in that. And so go to the podcast, go to BayouCityFellowship.com or .org, and you can check out there. Uh, today we're going to continue in James. Now we're going to be talking about a worthless religion today. Now, now uh, I want to look at this word worthless for a second. Um, because we've all had something that's worthless at one point. Has anybody ever gone to a movie and you leave the movie and you're like, I just feel like somebody's hooked a vacuum up to my brain. Like, why did I even go? That was totally worthless. Anybody seen a movie? Maybe shows or maybe, maybe most of what's on TV right now probably. Uh, worthless. Like, why did I even show up? Or maybe you're a parent and you have this great idea that you're going to take your little kids out to a restaurant. You're going to have this amazing dinner. Because you forgot about what the last time was like. So you go ahead and you take them out and you get into the restaurant. And it's a nice restaurant because you're like, I want to treat my wife right. And the first thing is, hey, daddy, daddy, daddy. Hey, mommy, mommy, mommy. Can I go to the restroom? Hey, I don't like what they want to serve. And so it gets this thing and then the food comes out and it's a little cold. And you're like, actually, that's not what I ordered. But your wife's kind of nudging you. Don't tell the waitress that. Like, I don't want to. We're Christians, remember? Like, don't do that. And then you just feel so stressed. And you get out in the car and you say, man, that was worthless. Why did I think I could do that? But you're going to forget, and another month's going to come, and you're going to do it again. That's just how we do it. Or maybe uh, you've had a training at work. I mean, we know that training at work is always valuable, right? No, right? And you can say, man, that was completely worthless. It had nothing to do with my job. Or, or maybe you're like me. Uh, a few years ago, I thought I would try my hand at the stock market. <laughs> wow. And so I started in kind of in investigating and figuring out some small stock where I could buy a pretty good a quantity. And so I found this stock, and I said, man, this is going to be my retirement plan. Now, I didn't put a lot of money into it because, remember, these are just worth a few dollars. And so I found this. It was West Canyon Energy. And I was like, man, this is going to be great. In like 30 years, these are going to be worth millions of dollars. Uh, pipe dream, I know, but I was thinking of that. And uh, unfortunately, though, today... Um, my, my amazing retirement plan is worth .004 cents per stock. Not 40 cents, not 4 cents, but two-fifths of, of a cent. That's what my stock is worth today. Amazing. And not only is that humbling enough, but every quarter I get a thing in the mail that says, hey, you made this really lousy decision and your stock is worthless. And what's even more humbling is I can't even go to sell it because it's going to cost me money to sell it because i got to pay a transaction fee. I mean, it's a great way to say, hey, every quarter, just check, Derek, you're humble, yeah, and not everything you do is amazing for sure. And so we all have these, um, these things that are worthless. But what we want to look at today is that our religion can be worthless as well. And so if you have your Bible, turn to James chapter 1. We're going to read two verses, verse 26 and verse 27 in James chapter 1. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. 
Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now, this is huge for us today because we need to recognize that there is a religion that is worthwhile to God and there is a religion that is worthless to God. And what we're going to see today is that the worthless religion, it's the religion that is, that is about you. It's, it's self. It's selfish. It's self-absorbed. That's what worthless religion is. But then we see this beautiful picture of what worthwhile religion is, and that's selfless religion. And that's why we're talking about the orphan care. Because guess what? It takes a lot of sacrifice to come alongside and love somebody the way that it takes to love an orphan. And so we see, as James writes this, that he's, he's given these kind of two bookends, that worthless religion, it's about you. It's selfish. But then there's this amazing, pure, God-honoring, valuable religion that is selfless, that's others-focused, that's God-focused. And so next week, Curtis is going to preach on that, but today we're going to look maybe at a little harder, challenging piece is, is worthless religion. It's about the self. And so I have three things for us today. First, worthless religion is steeped in pride. You could say that wherever there is pride, there is worthless religion. And this is what James is talking about here. He says, if you think yourself religious. Now, in this time, the Jews, they would have thought themselves religious if they were doing um, all the necessary uh, things that a Jew would do. If they were praying, if they were going to the temple, if they were giving, if they were doing all the things they should be doing and not doing the things they should not be doing, they would think themselves religious. And if we're honest today, sometimes that's how we see ourselves. I look good if I do the good, noble Things, especially if those good, noble things have Jesus tagged on the back of them. And so we've got to be careful because we can get in this slippery slope of pride. And this is where the Pharisees really set up. And this is why Jesus spoke such a direct word because their religion, it was worthless to God. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 23. We're just going to see a real quick word how Jesus spoke of the Pharisees because worthless religion is steeped in pride. It's going to be on the screen here as well, but Matthew 23, picking up in verse 23, Jesus is addressing the Pharisees, and he says, woe to you. Now, man, anytime Jesus says, woe to you, it's like, watch out what he's getting ready to say. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, not pulling any punches, right straight out the gate, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Man, that's a beautiful picture. <laughs> Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate. But inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. And then finally, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus, please tell me how you feel. Man, Jesus hates worthless 
religion. And we see him addressing this because worthless religion, it begins with pride. And what's interesting is these Pharisees were actually doing a lot of really, really good religious things that God had actually called them to do. They were, they were praying. Hey, that's, prayer is great. We should be praying. They were giving to the poor. They were reading the scriptures the, in the temple. They were going to the temple. If the temple was open, they were there. I mean, it, they were doing all these amazing things. Yet Jesus says, woe to you. To understand why he said, woe to you, if I look back in verse 5, he says this. They, speaking of the Pharisees, do all their deeds to be seen by others. And so when they are fasting, they are fasting in a way that is drawing attention to themselves. They're taking a good thing that God has commanded them to do, and they're making it about them. When they're praying in the synagogue or in the temple, they're praying loud and boastful prayers. Remember, he says, thank God that I'm not like this sinner over here. They're praying so everybody else can see their prayers. And so even the good things that they were doing, they were selfish, they were prideful because it was about them. And we've got to be careful because this is where we see worthless religion begin. In our actions, where we're doing a lot of good deeds, but the deeds are about me. Even though they have the appearance of something else. Now, for me, uh, I'll just give you a ridiculous example about myself. Um, So when I really started to just say yes to God and start loving the Lord, I started reading my Bible a whole lot. Like seven years ago, I would wake up and I would read hours of Scripture, and it was just brand new to me. And and that's really a good thing. Like, God wants you to be in here because in these words, in this truth, you find God himself, and you find out who you are. Okay, so once again, a really good thing to do, a good practice, read your Bible, right? Great thing, just like the Pharisees did really good things. But, but unfortunately, I was so twisted and demented uh, because pride is really um, what I go back to if left to my own devices. And, and so what I would do is I would be in a sermon and I would be there listening to the preacher and they would say, go to a passage. And I would try to be the first person to that passage. How stupid does that sound? Like, I literally wanted people to see that I was there before they were. Embarrassing, but it's true. And then if if for some reason the pastor got wild and and said, hey, turn to the book of Nahum, I would like kind of huddle over my Bible and say, where in the world? Don't look at me because I'm taking too long. Where is Nahum? I don't know. Is that even in the Bible? Like, what? And then if I got to the passage that he was preaching on and uh, uh, for some reason I had a bunch of underlining in my Bible, I would somehow, I'm sitting there, and, and maybe somebody, not my wife because she knows me too well, but maybe there was somebody beside me, and I would kind of just, kind of, yeah, man, wow, I'm, I, I, man, there's a lot of underline on this page. So I would kind of cock my Bible to the side. Like, that's how bad I am. Just so you know, their pastor has that kind of deceptive, evil heart. Like, that's who I am apart from Jesus, okay? And so I would kind of cock that to the side, and just so they could see, man, Derek is reading his Bible. Derek actually, and not only does he read it, he underlines it. Ooh, amazing. And for some reason, if we got to Nahum, Nahum, Habakkuk, Micah, any of those, and I didn't have any underline, maybe like in this page, I would kind of huddle over it and I'd be like, man, that's good, that's good. Let me underline that. And see, see, that's the twistedness of my heart. 
See, just like the Pharisees, they had a lot of good things that they did that God said, hey, do these things. Hey, God says, read my word. I want to speak to you. I want to show you. And I would take that good thing. and I would do that good thing. But then I would make it about Derek. And what God would say is that is worthless religion because it's about me. It's steeped in pride. And if you're honest with yourself today, I want you to ask, is there anything that you are doing in the name of Jesus that's really about you? Anything in the church, outside the church, in the name of Jesus, where the motivation, the heart behind it is not just for the other person, is not for God's glory, but for me. One of my great mentors told me a question to always ask myself when I'm preaching or when I'm out. And he said, Derek, in what you're doing, who is getting the glory? It's a question we need to ask ourselves because we can get caught up like we read in James and doing a lot of outward things and begin to think we're really, really religious. But it's possible to do a lot of good things in the name of Jesus and still have worthless religion that means nothing to him. So we've got to ask ourselves, who is getting the glory? But as we build this out, we see the Pharisees, they would uh, do all these outward things. And so the second piece of worthless religion is that we begin to build a facade. Worthless religion, a facade. Now remember a facade, I've used that word before here. If you're a builder, you know what that is. But a facade is this really attractive, pretty, kind of outward facing to where everybody is. It looks really good, but the purpose of that facade is to cover up what's behind the facade. So whatever kind of walk, maybe you put a brick, beautiful, like veneer facade out there, but behind it is just not anything good. And so this is what we see, a worthless religion. It begins to project amazing, attractive faith, but behind it is completely empty. And this is when we know that we have a religion that is worthless because a religion that is worthless revolves around me. In the midst of it, I begin to build a facade to protect myself from being found out. I project an appearance of faith but lack the substance of faith. So we begin to build an image of what we believe we should look like if we really did have true faith. We begin to live it out, the action, but don't have the heart or the motivation behind it. And we see here, James would say, that's worthless religion. Appearance with no value, just like the Pharisees. It's like if I had a plastic apple from Pottery Barn. I just pick Pottery Barn because they make really fancy stuff that's overpriced and looks really good. So I don't know if they make apples, but let's say we have an apple that looks really realistic. Like it has that sheen on it. It looks really attractive. It's got like a little leaf on it with a little stem because you can't buy that in store, but it, that's how it should be if you really bought it. I got it off of the tree. That's what it would look like. And so let's just say it looks beautiful, perfect. Like you're like, man, I really want it. If I'm hungry, I see this thing. I really, really want it. But for somebody that is hungry, that apple is completely worthless. So it is with our faith. If I've got a bunch of outward-facing, external actions but my heart is not in the right place. It's like having a plastic apple and being starving. There's no substance there. It doesn't feed anybody, including myself. We begin to build a facade. We begin to project what I want to be, but I really am not that. That's what it looks like when we have a worthless religion. What James would say is that our religious activity, the good things that we do, they are secondary indicators of how near I am to God's heart. Church attendance, fasting, 
praying, giving can easily become a check down for me to say, I'm good with God. Today, I just want to warn you and exhort you, be careful, because James would say that's a secondary indicator. He would say the, the primary two indicators that he speaks of here are first, your words, and second, how you treat somebody that's less than you. That's why he talks about orphan care and widow care. So what am I saying with my words, and how do I treat somebody that is in great need that cannot provide me or offer me anything? How do I treat them? That's what James would say would be really a good indicator of do I have a true, genuine faith with God? And so what I I like about James is he puts a ton of emphasis on words. He, He would know well that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, now just think about this a second. Out of the abundance of your heart. So what's ever happening in here is eventually going to find its way out of your mouth. And that's why in James, he goes on to say, listen, your, your tongue, you can't, you can't control it. It, it. It's crazy. Like, you can't grab it. The reason why you can't control your tongue is it only puts out what is put in. And so if you want to change how you're speaking, you can't just go and try to control your tongue and say, I'm not going to say this, I'm not going to swear, I'm not going to curse, I'm not going to do all these things. No, it goes back to your heart. Because if the heart's never changed, out of the abundance of that heart, that brokenness, that, that, that place of darkness is going to come darkness. And so we cannot control our tongue. It goes back to the heart. Now turn to James chapter 3. We're going to jump forward here in James just for a moment. Because James likes to talk about words. He does three or four times throughout this short book. He puts a lot of weight on them because he knows that they are a great indicator of where our heart is with God. So James chapter 3, verse 8. But no human being can tame the tongue. That's what we just talked about. You, You can't do it. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord the Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Just sit on that a second. We curse people that are, in the made, that are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes a blessing and curse. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. so. So James is coming real hard at all of us today and said, listen, your mouth is not meant to speak blessing, but also curse at the same time. That shouldn't be that way, guys. But he's saying at the same time, you can't go control your tongue. It goes back to what is the condition of your heart? And so I want to take a sidebar real quick and and speak on something here because it says, uh, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. And I want to talk about uh, cursing because sometimes we think of witchcraft because of Harry Potter and we think of like curses and witchcraft and all this. So this is not what he's speaking about here. This is what a curse is. A curse is when I tear others down. A curse is... Is when I say, you are always fill in the blank. You will always be like fill in the blank. You are lazy. You are fearful. You are a financial failure. You are a porn addict. You will never amount to anything. Those are curses. And what a curse is, is we begin to proclaim something false, an identity over that person that God never meant for that person to be. We actually begin to say, hey, you are going to be this. I see you as this. You're going to be this. And it's not from God. It's from you. And so when we curse people, what happens is they either receive that and they begin to actually self-prophesy that and actually begin to live that out. And we see that all the time. Or they reject that and say, no, in the name of Jesus, I'm not going to receive that. 
That's not who God created me to be. That's why we have to be founded in our identity in Christ. So when people curse us, it doesn't make us be like a wave that's tossed to and fro. I know who I am. I know who I was created to be. I'm not going to receive what you just said. But this is what a curse is. When I curse, I'm undermining God's truth of who he created that person to be. Remember, when we are talking to others, we are talking to someone formed and created in the image of God. They were not a mistake. When you devalue people, you devalue God himself. Let it not be so, brothers. Don't let blessing and curses come out of your mouth. It should not be that way. And so whether we are boasting or cursing, what I find is that both of them really center around me. They reveal that my heart is also self-centered. And when I have a self-centered heart, I'm incapable of love. Because love is selfless. John 15, 13 says this, Greater love has no one than this, than someone that lays down his life for his friend. This is what love looks like. Romans 5, 8, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, it's impossible to love without sacrifice. You can't do it. At the very least, to love somebody requires that I sacrifice being the center or the focus of my words and my actions. If you are the center of your words and your actions, listen, you're not loving. If your words are self-centered... It reveals that your heart is also self-centered. With a self-centered heart, it is almost impossible to love others. Without love, your religion is worthless. So your words matter. So I ask you today, what are your words saying about the status of your heart? Would they cue you up to say, man, my, my religion is worthless Because I project all these things, but when I get in the room by myself with somebody that is below me, or maybe even somebody that's above me, but maybe I begin to boast of myself, or I get into an area where I'm with somebody that doesn't really do anything for me, how do I treat that person? How do I speak to that person? When I'm with my friends and my gossiping and my slandering, am I throwing people under the bus to lift myself up? If that's true, James would say, your religion is worthless. It's a hard truth, but it's truth. And the reason he would say it's worthless is because we get to the next part. Because worthless religion, it deceives you and others. Worthless religion, it deceives you and others. So as we build this facade out, this image of doing the right things, we can actually begin to believe that I am right with God. My mind actually gets confused because my body is doing all these things that are in the name of Jesus. I've got the Bible open on my desk. I've got the right bumper sticker on my car. I come to church and I serve. And so I see all these things that my body's doing, but, but I actually begin to be deceived that I'm actually right with the Lord because of these actions. And we actually begin to start believing this. My actions make me good and therefore God sees me as good terrible theology, but one that many of us hold on to. See, this is worthless religion because it keeps us from recognizing our need for God. We're deceived. If I don't recognize I have a need for God, then I will not seek God, which ultimately means if I'm not seeking God, that I will not find God. 
See, this is a dangerous place to operate because we can't receive what we think we already have. Having religious activity apart from a true love of God and love of others, can deceive you into thinking that everything is great. And when you're deceived to thinking you and God are good and that you're actually fulfilling what you're called to do and you've received his love, if you're thinking that and you haven't really, what happens is you don't receive what he wants to give you because you think you already have what he wants to give you. There's no more seeking. There's no more finding. You don't know God. And that's why it's such a dangerous thing, this worthless religion but in addition to deceiving ourselves, what may be just as bad as we can begin to deceive others. We actually become a stumbling block for others with my words and my actions. That if I let somebody in close enough, that they'll see that I do a lot of really good things and I'm part of the church. But if they just get close enough, if I let my guard down, if they get behind the facade, then, then what they actually start realizing is that my words don't align up with my actions. And that my heart really isn't there. And what happens is they don't only deceived about who you are, but they actually get deceived about who God is. And that's way worse. Because they'll start looking at God and what it looks like to live in the kingdom as separate. It won't be truth. And so they see this misrepresentation of the kingdom of God, and they say, why would I ever want to step into that kingdom if you're representing it? See, we not only deceive ourselves with worthless religion, but we begin to deceive others. We actually devalue the kingdom and what it looks like to be a son or daughter. And when we do that, we give terrible witness to what it looks like to be a Christ follower. When we actually deceive others with our mouth and with our deeds, we are revealing me-focused religion, and we're making it harder for somebody to see the real Jesus. And so our words matter greatly. Let me close with this. Um, the context of today gets to this. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. Worthless religion is void of love. Worthless religion it's completely void of love. My actions, my words, my thoughts, if they lack consideration of others or God, we are lacking love, and therefore our faith is worthless. Let me read a passage in 1 Corinthians that uh, drives this home that I think Paul would say an amen to James if they were preaching together on, on the tour. So, uh, so we're talking about worthless religion that it's tied in our words, that our words are really an indicator of where our heart is. So Paul writes this to the church of Corinth, chapter 13, verse 1. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith as to move, remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have and I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. If you want to know what the difference is between worthless religion and a religion that is pleasing to God, it comes back to love. It comes back to what is the motivation of your heart and the things that you're doing. Because we are called to do good things. That's what Ephesians talks about. We're saved by grace so that no one can boast. 
but created by Jesus Christ to go on and do good works. But the good works must flow out of a heart that is in love with Jesus and in love with others. If not, Paul would say it's, it's nothing, it's meaningless. And what James would say is it's a worthless religion. You're deceiving yourself. You think you are doing right, but you actually don't even know the one who made you right. Worthless religion. And so I st- this morning I, I made this message a little shorter on purpose. One, so you could say thank you. And two, for us to have a, a little time uh, on the back end to say, God, what do you say? Because I, this is not about me. This is not about these guys and incredible they are. Um, We've got to do this transition to corporate, to individual. And so today, I just want to give you, this is like a gift, because how many times do we actually get four minutes, five minutes to sit still before God and say, God, I just want to hear you. I don't know about you, but my life with three kids, a wife who homeschools and church and people calling and emailing, it gets really busy. And so, like, take this as grace to you to have four minutes just to say, God, search my heart. Is there anything in me that's not rooted in love? So I want you to ask these two questions. What is my motivation for my doing? Who is getting the glory in my doing and saying? And the second question, which I really want us to think about, is what do other people learn about my heart and faith when I speak? Because I can tell a lot about a man or a woman when I get around them and hear them talk when it's just me and them. When nobody else is around, they don't have to put on the facade. When they just get between me, they lower the waterline a little bit. What do others learn about my heart and faith when I speak? So I just want us to take a moment, and this is great practice because this is what we should be doing throughout the week. God, God, speak to me, reveal to me, convict me, point me to Jesus in this moment. If we believe God speaks, we should come with anticipation that he's going to speak right now. Why wouldn't he? It's not based on me. It's not based on you. It's his word. So let's just spend four minutes. They're going to play a little bit in the background. Just just any distraction, your phone, NFL stuff coming on. Just say no to that right now. Just say, God, I I want to hear from you right now. I trust you. Lord, um, you're a God who still speaks. You're a God who leads us into all truth. That's why you sent your spirit. So uh, the spirit of Jesus pray that you would uh, be loud and clear, that you would lead us into truth, that you would show us areas of our life that are focused on us, that even the good things that we're doing are adulterated and are worthless because they're about me and not you and not others. Root us out of anything that's not rooted in love. Share truth today and draw us back to the Father like you do best. In your powerful name we pray. Amen. Let's just take a few minutes pray and then I'll I'll transition us.
Father, I thank you for silence. Lord, I thank you that you're this God who can speak in the chaos and the craziness of the storms of life, the trials and the tribulations. But when we quiet our heart and we are just are, that you can be there too and that you long for us to be in both moments with our eyes fixed on the King. Lord, thank you for your truth. Thank you for uh, your word that warns us of religion that is worthless, that is focused on me. But Lord, also let us be reminded that it's the King who calls us back today. That no matter how far gone we are, that we feel that we're worthless, that I've been living a life like this, worthless religion for 30 years. Lord, today that you're saying, come on home. It doesn't have to be like that today. We love you so much, Lord.